Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you here. I am in um, Acts chapter 10. In case you have had a gap between part one and this one, part two, this is when heaven meets earth. And we're looking at Cornelius and his, we're getting to, we're going to get, I believe, in this part to his conversion. But right now, we're just looking at the point of when Cornelius's men traveled down. Uh, to Joppa, and they meet Peter, and Peter had just had this weird trance vision about like eating unclean animals, and like what God calls holy, don't you dare say is not. He's confused, he doesn't know what's going on, the Spirit of the Lord tells him, go downstairs, these men are calling for you, and you're supposed to go with them. A very interesting account of what took place in these men's life. Very awesome to me. Very compelling of like, okay, this is, this is normal Christ-like living. This is being spiritual God-men. Communing with the eternal God. At three in the afternoon. At noontime. Receiving the oracles of God through angels, through visions, through encounters. And that's why I called this when heaven meets earth, because y'all, I think we're just, we're trying to be kingdom men that really, once we boil it all down, all we are are good, moral, American Christians. Which I will just say till my last breath is not a kingdom man. It's not, it's not, it's not the Acts church, y'all. And again, I'll just I'll I'll preface this and then we'll get right back into Acts chapter 10. What we're talking about is a people who are in the same age as these men, as Cornelius, as Peter, as the messengers who went and gave Peter the message from Cornelius. Like, although to us it seems like just ancient civilization that like we have nothing in common with y'all we've got to we have got to reassess our perspective just like that king hezekiah stuff y'all like we've got to put on the eternal perspective that unless we give ourselves to it we will not walk in we're going to walk in the limited view of a hundred years of our life or maybe a few generations or maybe back to 1776 when this godly nation, air quotes, was established. Our thinking is so limited and small and minuscule. It's embarrassing, I think, when we look at the scriptures through the proper context and the proper lens of the vast expanse of the timeline of God. Y'all, do we see ourselves in this or is it an are these isolated stories even if we believe they're really true and real are they just isolated accounts of awesome god men who just lived differently than we live today well you know things were just different then well of course they were different but i think in the ways that could yet now be the same they're actually different but they're not supposed to be is cultural is culture different yes 
Is technology, of all these things, yes, 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 of course. But has the good news changed? Has the eternal activity of heaven changed? We're not told that it has. We're not told anywhere in the scriptural account that God has removed his hand in the way that he dealt with the Acts church. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture saying, and then there will come an age in the 1900s and the 2000s of when God doesn't meet with men anymore the way he did in Acts. I don't see that. And so then what's the problem? The problem is humanity. The problem even more so if we get more, if we scrutinize it even more, is the problem is God's people. We, again, have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten how God deals with men. I want to be like these men in Acts 10. I have had encounters with God. I have had times and seasons in my life when heaven has met earth and everything, everything in my perspective is turned entirely upside down. And my perspective, like, what, let me just go here for just a second, because this came up in a conversation last night as I was giving my testimony, for lack of better words, to, to someone I had not met before. And we were, somehow we landed on when I had my stroke in, 2009, in 2009. And, oh, that must have been hard, brother. Like, man, that must have just really been a tough season. And my response from a very true place was, it was probably the most beautiful season of my life. It was one of the best seasons of my life. Now, why is that? How in the world could I say that? Well, because when my physical body was deemed completely incapacitated, I felt like my spirit man was thriving. I felt like something in me was awakened that had been dormant, buried underneath my carnality and flesh. Now, I was born again. I was born again. I was born of the Spirit. I was a spiritual man. There was a lot going on in my life right then that actually propelled me into that place that was beautiful. Absolutely. I knew God. He had purchased me and redeemed me, and I had been regenerated. But something within that experience was so vibrant and alive, and I felt free in a way I had never felt free before. Well, why is that? Because there was some perspective shift in me when, when the, the natural me was removed, the real me, the spirit me, the spirit that I committed to Yahweh God in the immersion waters three weeks ago when I said, into your hands I commit my spirit. That was something where heaven met earth in me. And I believe that's something I can perpetually walk in. And not just walk in metaphorically, but I mean like in the activity and in the function of my daily life. Because why? Acts chapter 10. These men were doing what they did. They were just doing what they did. Living their life. But what were they doing? And let's get right back to the text. Cornelius was a, de a devout man who feared God with all his household and gave charity to the Jews. It goes on as we'll read in just a minute, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself. No, I, I, said, I said that in part one. 
Another thing about this man, who he just was, Cornelius was a righteous, God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the Jewish people. He was a compassionate man. He was a good, godly man who communed with God. And so we are now in Acts 10, 23. So Cornelius' men spend the night with Peter. As I ended part one saying, oh, can we imagine what that was like that night? I bet they didn't sleep much that night. Again, we're talking the merging of the, of the worlds. There was no Gentile church yet, y'all. And like Peter giving himself to the, to the trance vision of like, wow, like, could this be what that was about? Like, because I kind of see these people as unclean, unholy, like they can't come to God like I can. But as they were in his house, I, bet, I, I have to believe that those walls began to come down. Heaven was meeting earth. The expansion of the kingdom was unfolding in Peter's house. So the next day, Peter got up and he left with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. Okay? So some of Peter's brothers went with Cornelius' Cornelius's men out of Joppa. And on the following day, he and the others entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them. And he called together his relatives, and he called together his close friends. He said, y'all, we're having a meeting tonight. We're having a gathering tonight, y'all. The Lord told me to send for this man, Peter. And I believe he's coming. And when he comes, we're going to be eagerly awaiting whatever it is he's bringing to us. I would like to say this is very similar to the revelation of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. I believe this is another example of the intersection reality. The revelation meeting the anticipation of the revelation and their need. Because how humble is it for Cornelius to do what he's about to do, y'all? I mean, really. How humbling for himself, his household, and all these other brothers and sisters that he called to hear this man bring a message that they don't really even know what it is. So Peter arrives. Cornelius met him and he fell down at Peter's feet and worshipped him, y'all. But Peter raised him up and said, stand up. I too am only a man. It's okay. This is how honoring this man was of the people of God, y'all. Do we understand that? How, how he was honoring, he was benevolent, he was compassionate. There was something about them that he saw was of great value. Whether he understood it or not, we have to give ourselves to believe that he saw something that was honorable and desirable. So Peter raises him up, and as Peter talked with Cornelius, he came into the house, and he found a large group of people already assembled. And he said to them, now listen to this, y'all. You know that it's unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or even to befriend a Gentile. So he's saying like, you know I'm not supposed to be here, right? You know who I am, right? It's not just like kind of bad or, well, this, kinda, this doesn't look good. Like, it's unlawful for me to be here. 
Yet God has shown me that I am not to call anyone common or ceremonially unclean. Therefore, because of this, because of what God told me by revelation himself, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. So I ask, for what reason have you sent me? Okay, same point made crystal clear the second time. Y'all, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't be associating with you, but God himself who makes all laws himself that I keep and I follow, he was the antithesis of the pharisaical mindset right here in this verse. Okay, this is what the Pharisees missed. The law-keeping perfection, rulers, authorities, that they could not let go of what God himself had established. But Peter, he got it. He got the revelation. He received the vision, the oracle, the trance-bringing revelation. The revelation-bringing trance, to be clear. Well, I'm, I shouldn't be here, but God told me clearly that if he does not call it unclean, then you know what? Guess what it's not. He's shown me that it's okay for me to be here. So I came without raising an objection. But I still don't know why I'm here. Isn't that funny? <laughs> He's saying all these things just like concrete, solid, yes, yes and amen. The Lord has come. He's given me clarity. He's spoken to me. He's obviously spoken to Cornelius. He must have spoken to you. You're here. You don't know me. But why am I here? Does anyone know why I came? Cornelius responds, this is so awesome. Cornelius says, quote, Four days ago, to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, around three o'clock, and a man dressed in bright, dazzling clothing suddenly stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered before God so that he is about to help you. Okay, so like, just two quick points out of this. When was the last time a man dressed in bright, dazzling clothing, an angel, showed up in your prayer time and spoke to you the oracles of God? Is that a tough question? Should, can, we not, oh, can we not talk about that? That hasn't happened to me this week. Has it happened to you? We have to ask these questions. And he told Cornelius what God was saying about the matter. Your prayers have been heard. The memorial has come up. And so then he goes on to say, And this angel told me to send word to Joppa and invite Simon, who's called Peter, to come here. He told me where you were staying, by the sea, with Simon the Tanner. So I sent for you at once. You have been kind enough to come. Now then, we're all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. Y'all, do we get this? Oh my gosh, if the church of 2019 could get this, where would we be? The angel of the Lord speaks to Cornelius. He responds. The angel of the Lord speaks to Peter. He responds. The intersection comes. Other people are invited in. The people respond. And they come in. And they're all right there in the same stinking room saying, What is it the Lord is saying? What is God saying? 
where am I, 33? Now then, we are all here present before God to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say to us. Oh, y'all. Oh, God, my heart groans for that. My heart groans to be that, and my heart groans to do that. To be one who says in the right way because the Lord's confirmation of his word coming through another man to say, oh God, use this man to give me the oracles of the Lord. I've assembled myself. I've assembled my household. We are here for the oracles of God. And for me to receive a revelation, an oracle of God in a vision, in a trance, and be sent somewhere. And I intersect with somebody who says, oh my God, the Lord himself has sent you. We are here assembled before God to receive the eternal word of Yahweh. Such anticipation, y'all. Such exuberant response. It's just like the Hezekiah people. A response, a response. We don't see any connection of people saying, who's this Peter guy? I'm not coming. He's not one of us. Oh, Cornelius, you're always having all these crazy ideas. I'm not doing that. You know, we could go on with all these different scenarios, but it's not in the text. These people willingly assembled to receive what God himself was giving to them through a man. Opening his mouth. Verse 34. Peter said, most certainly, I understand now that God is not one to show partiality to people as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. But in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. You know the message which he sent to the sons of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. You know the things that have taken place throughout Judea. And he starts going on and on and on. It's it's very similar to the discourse that Stephen said as he was being stoned. It's the good news story. But the interesting thing is he's saying to these Gentile people gathered to hear him, they already know. He's saying, you've heard of this. You've heard of that. You've heard of this. You've heard of that. It started in Galilee after the baptism preached by John, how God anointed Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit, with power. He went around. He was healing. He was doing good. God was with him. We were eyewitnesses of everything that he did. God raised him to life on the third day, caused him to plainly see, to be plainly seen, not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen and designated beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, both Jew and Gentile, and to solemnly testify that he is the one who has been appointed and ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. Goes talks about the prophets testify about him. And y'all, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words. Oh man, this just like shakes my spirit. The power of the seed. 
It's the power of the seed. Oh, God, help us to get this. The power of the seed was falling on fertile ground. The assembly of people in Cornelius' house were fertile ground. They were another depiction of the upper, wor- upper room people. So when that seed, the eternal seed revelation came from the mouth of Peter, what takes place? Verse 44, while Peter is going on and on and on about the Savior, Messiah, forgiveness of sins, preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. And it confirmed God's acceptance of the Gentiles. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Y'all, do we understand what this scenario was like in that moment? Those men who came with Peter, probably curious, like, whoa, I, I, can I come? <laughs> like, I don't understand what in the world's going to take place down there, up there. Can we come? They were amazed, like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did they have, y'all? Listen to what I'm saying. They had a revelation of the expansion of the kingdom of God to all men. That's what's happened to me here. In the last several months, it started with myself being in the kingdom of God, being God's people. And then I was actually transferred into it, removed from the dominion of darkness, into the kingdom of light by being born again, born of the water, born of the spirit. And so now I had the revelation that I, in fact, myself am in the people of God. And now it's expanding beyond my own understanding or even purposeful going for it. revelation that oh my gosh this is for all of humanity this awesome miracle that's taken place in me I now possess the eternal seed that wants to get out it wants to go it wants to multiply these people in that room at Cornelius's house were fertile ground and so when the revelation came what happened The Holy Spirit had been poured out. Verse 46, for they had heard them talking in unknown tongues, and they were exalting and magnifying and praising Yahweh. And Peter said, oh, y'all, what did he say? Can anyone refuse water for these people to be baptized since they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? And he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Yeshua Messiah. Y'all, do we understand what in the world does the scripture say? The revelation comes and there's a response. The revelation comes and there's a response. If we are not responding, there has not been a revelation. Period. We are not walking on earth as it is in heaven. Because when heaven meets the earth, people move. Things happen. Things change. Angels visit men. Men have visions. Men travel. Men go. Men speak the good news. 
Because why? Because it's beyond them. It's beyond them. It's beyond their own people. It's for every single being who ever walks the earth. Well, what about, hey, they're on the outside. What about, well, what about them? They're unclean. They're unholy. Brother, bust down the doors. The walls are gone. You yourself were an outsider. We ourselves are the Gentile people, y'all. I think we've forgotten that. I would say Christian America has forgotten she is the Gentile church. You don't belong here. I don't belong here. We are the immigrants, y'all. We are the immigrants. Let that sink in. We are the ones who have been invited in to something that we should not know. Us. And when we get that revelation, it overflows. Oh my God, I'm in the people of God. And that's where I'm at this morning, friends. I cannot contain this because it is not mine. I am sitting at the master's table and I have an invitation in my pocket, brother. Would you come and dine? Come into the master's table. You don't even have any idea how awesome it is in here. Come, come, come. He's prepared a feast for you. Believe it's true and come in. Come in. I'm only going to be out here for a minute because, friend, i got to get back in there. I want to be with the master. Come in. Come on with me. Come on in with me. Put on the garment at the door, which we don't have time to go into all that doctrinally, what that is, although that is absolutely a good thing to understand. Put on the garment, friend, and you can come in. Be born again. Be born of the water. Be born of the spirit. Put on that garment, brother, and you can come in. Come on in. I know the master. He's right inside. And that's the revelation of Peter and the unclean, unholy things. Friends, do we understand this call? Do we understand this? Oh my gosh, Lord, help us to get this revelation. So y'all, let's step back. And as I'm always saying, you take a good hard look at your Christianity. Take a good hard look at your denomination. Stop making excuses. Well, I, I don't do that because, you know, people just, you know, they're just, they're just not good people and I just can't be a part of that. Well, you know, I, I've been hurt so many times. I, I just can't, I can't you know, pray with anybody or talk with anybody or fellowship with anybody anywhere, anytime, because, you know, it's not about that. It's just me and Jesus. Like, do we understand what we're saying? And with the divisions and sects of modern-day Christianity, just like, there is no remote possibility for unity of the Spirit because of our differences. I have been given endless opportunities in the last several weeks not orchestrated on purpose by me to bring this about, by the way, of different facets of the present body. Totally different facets that would never really merge. And I'm just asking the Lord, like, what, what is this? 
Why in the world now is this taking place? I believe because the Lord has put within me a gift of faith from him to believe that there can be one church. There is one kingdom. There is one king. But what if I start giving myself in faith to believe that God might use me to be a unifier of all these divisions within his present day body? Oh, well, I, I can't do that. Those people, they're just fanatical, too loud, too out of control, no, no self-control. That's, there's there's got to be order in the house of God. Oh, and then, well, they're too legalistic. They're too predictable. They're too quiet. You know what I'm saying? Do we understand our current ridiculousness in regards to what the body of Christ is today? We have got to realize we ourselves were aliens and strangers, opponents of God. And he called us in. He drew us to himself. To himself. (sighs) This story, this account, I'm going to go in the house, I'm going to read it again. I love it. I want to be that. And so what does it look like when heaven meets earth, y'all? Do we have angelic encounters? Do the oracles of God come to you in whatever your prayer time with the Lord looks like? Is there one? Is it while you're holding a fork? Is it as you're falling asleep at night? What is your communing with God? What are we expecting? What are we posturing ourselves in faith that is a gift from God himself again to even obtain and walk in in our lives? I am thoroughly convinced, I have been for a long time, but way more now right now, way more now than ever, I will have what I pursue. I will ascertain what I give myself to have. And that's a very challenging and sobering thought. We will have what we pursue. Because God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. We know the prophecies, right? Well, who's it going to be poured out on? Who did it get poured out on in Acts chapter 10 in absolute clothing? closing? I'm just going to make this two parts because I just I feel like I've got the whole point here. And the rest would possibly risk being rambling. But what happened, y'all? What happened? It's the same as the consecrated people back in Hezekiah's day. The people assembled, expectant, bringing themselves a response. A response, a response. So much so that when the good news was in the process of being spoken, boom, Holy Spirit falls. On all flesh. And what did Peter say? Peter could have said, oh, 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 oh. All right, that's enough for y'all Gentile people. You don't deserve all this. You're on the outside, you know. You're the, you're the shrimp of the kingdom. Uh-uh, we're not having you. But no, Peter said, who can refuse water for these people to be baptized? 
They are just like us. We got to take off our boundaries, friends. We got to take them off. We got to take it off. We got to take it off and burn it down and see every other man as one worthy of receiving the gift that we have been given. How? From the oracles of God coming in whatever way we can give ourselves to receiving it. I believe God is extending himself in the same ways he did in the Acts church now. No church age difference now. Same season. And it's not going to last forever, friend. And neither are you. We've got to get to it. We've got to get to the business of on earth as it is in heaven. So may the word of God speak for itself. May it come alive. May it change us, like literally change us, alter us. When heaven meets earth, people encounter Yahweh God eternal. Amen.